More training camp updates on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, this time directly from Steve Sarkeesian himself. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show, Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked on College. Terms and conditions do apply. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we react to Steve Sarkeesian's latest press conference talking about training camp. And Texas came in 12th in the USA Today coaches poll. Did they get it right? Did they get it wrong? All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are getting closer and closer to football season. I believe three more Saturdays, about 24 more days until we play Rice on September 2nd in DKR. It's going to be hot at 2.30. Not sure if I'm going to the game or not, but... Nonetheless, really excited to see this 2023 season for this Texas football team. A lot of hype around this team and deservedly so, right? At least it seems like. And I'm ready for them to start to, you know, turn the hype into actual production on the field uh, on September 2nd. We are in the midst of training camp as Texas tries to prepare for that team uh, that should be able to meet expectations in 2023. And uh, it started on Thursday, I believe. And like Steve Sarkeesian said, this was the fourth practice. Today is Tuesday. Uh, so this will be the fifth practice and we'll continue to react to all of the practices up until the first game against Wright. So yesterday he did his press conference after the fourth practice. Sorry if that was confusing on Monday. Today, Tuesday will be the fifth practice. The first two practices were in helmets. Second two practices were in pads. And he says he likes to break them up into maybe not fours all the way through, but definitely the first four, which they've made it through now. And you're starting to see them settle in and, you know, really understand what they're trying to accomplish and really attack each day, you know, with the fresh and intense mindset. So um, we're going to react to almost everything he said in his press conference. One thing that he was asked about is the Pac-12 realignment. And, you know, a la Nick Saban, he looked like he almost got pissed off when they asked him about it. Um, you know, talking about all of the teams, you know, going to the either new Big 12 or the new Big 10. The Pac-12 is essentially dead now. It's the Pac-4 uh, with Cal, Stanford, uh, Oregon State and Washington State being the only teams that haven't moved on. Uh, but he said, you know, whether genuine or not, I'm focused on, you know, Texas in 2023. I'm focused on the Big 12. I don't have any comments on, you know, conference realignment. And like I said, he said it with a little snark, right? He looked a little pissed off when I asked him about it. So, you know, all like Nick Saban, he's taken after his mentor, the GOAT, right? So we're going to react to everything else he said. And the first thing he mentioned, unprovoked, are, are players that have stood out and camped thus far. And he mentioned Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, A.D. Mitchell, and then Jonte Cook. He's talked about his improvement since he's been in camp. And it was a welcome sight or a welcome sound, I should say, to hear him talk about Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton. You know, we've mentioned a few times on the podcast how the depth at that position you know, was a little questionable coming into the offseason. You knew what you had in Tavondre Sweat. You knew what you had in Byron Murphy. And I, you know, expect both of those players to either end up on the first or second team all Big 12 this year. I think that, 
literally they're going to be two of the biggest reasons why this defense matches the level they were at last year or improves on right i think they're that good up front but we know that you know there's no player on this defense that's going to play 100 percent of the snaps especially you know two of the biggest players on this defense up front you're going to need a healthy rotation and i think everything after them has been a question mark and that's why you went into uh the transfer portal and got you know trill cart right because you didn't know what you had in Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins. And we know, you know, since 2020, Alfred Collins has flashed the talent, you know, the athleticism and the skill set to be able to play inside and outside. And he should be, just based off his pedigree, one of the best D linemen in the country. But the word that's been burned into our head with Alfred Collins is consistency, right? We know that he can jump off the screen when he's on, but how often is he on, right? And the same thing with Vernon Broughton. We've seen flashes at times, but overall the consistency has been lacking, right? And you know, Sadir Mitchell is a true freshman. You don't want to throw too much on his plate. You want to, you know, be able to let him sit back, develop, learn the game, and be able to uh, be ready for you next year when you get into the SEC. So we know that, you know, like I said, uh, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy can't play 100% of the snaps. We know that Trill Carter was a welcome addition, but you still need more bodies at that position to produce. Hopefully, Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton can continue what they've been able to do in the first four fall practices and be able to be assets for this team throughout the course of the season. A.D. Mitchell, I love what he's brought to the team since he's been here. Um, Just a veteran wide receiver, a two-time national champion wide receiver. That's a real alpha at that position. You know, I think that Xavier Worthy is still our wide receiver one, but based on what we saw last year and based on where Texas is trying to go, you needed to bring in another player like A.D. Mitchell who could be, you know, week in and week out or any given week the best receiver on this team in from the transfer portal. And I think it was, uh, you know, a perfect match with him, you know, maybe looking for a different opportunity from Georgia, him being from Texas and, you know, Texas looking for a wide receiver with his skill set. And when you look at it the last two years, you have not been able to put a player outside of Xavier Worthy with A.D. Mitchell's pedigree, right? And his ability to run routes and, you know, make contested catches and, you know, just move the chains down the field at that wide receiver position, mainly because Isaiah Nayor tore his ACL last year. So now you have, and we'll talk about this, you know, possibly in the next segment, um, you know, four to five wide receivers who are really capable on this Texas football team. But I know that the offense is going to go through Xavier Worthy in the passing game. But like I said, in crucial situations, uh, game on the line, week in and week out, in any given situation, A.D. Mitchell could be the alpha or number one wide receiver on this team. So glad they brought him in. And I think he's going to make everybody better, right? Iron sharpens iron. We know that. And then he talked about the improvement in Jontae Cook um, and just how he's come along, you know. And, of course, with any true freshman, there's a – uh, you know, transition period, you know, there's going to be growing pains. You're going to make mistakes. But one thing he said about John Tate Cook is he's been coachable. You know, he's playing fast and he's not making the same mistake twice. You know, Xavier Worthy said in, uh, you know, Big 12 media days that, you know, that's kind of his twin, right? They play alike, they look alike. And, you know, I think John Tate Cook does bring a lot of what Xavier Worthy brings to the position. You know, he's very explosive. We know working with, uh, you know, Coach Margin Hooks, he's a very talented and very technical uh, wide receiver in terms of his route running. And he's somebody who's strong and physical. I think he has that edge over Xavier Worthy, but he's just as explosive, you know, down the field, in and out of his cuts and making people miss. So I think Jonte Cook will end up as one of the best wide receivers to ever put on that Texas jersey. But I'm glad that he's ready this year to make an impact on this Texas football team in whatever capacity uh, they ask him for. So it was good to see high praise uh, about Jonte Cook, five-star wide receiver, in his true freshman season out of DeSoto. 
Then the next uh, player he talked about was Jalen Catalan. And, um, you know, I've mentioned a million times, I'll say it again, you know, that the only thing holding him back, the only question mark we have about uh, Jalen Catalan is his health, right? And he talked about how he's had a huge impact on our team. He's very intentional with his work, high level of intensity and mental focus, communicates at a high level. And when he knows, he goes, right? And you could talk to your blue in the face about the talent and what he brings to the game. But we said last year how the safeties were so important for our defense with their leadership and their communication. And I think you bring in a player in Jalen Catalan who personifies that. Right. But then you talk about, uh, you know, just his intensity that he plays with. Right. His ability uh, to come down and try to knock people's heads off. Right. And I think they've had to kind of save him from himself a little bit thus far. They've talked about managing him and him not taking contact in back to back days. But when they let him go, they let him go. Right. And he's been compared to. Uh, Bob Sanders for some of my older I'm only 29 right but people that were watching uh, I guess football in the you know late 2000s early 2010s you remember uh, Bob Sanders just that small compact safety for the Colts that brought a lot of pain right played way bigger than he was and that kind of reminds me of Jalen Catalan and then outside of you know his leadership and his intensity and how he makes everybody better he can do almost everything you ask him to do on the football field. So if he can stay healthy this year, I think they're doing a good job of managing him, letting him go, you know, full speed one day and then kind of, you know, uh, letting him take a step back the next day. I think he's meant so much to that room in terms of mentoring um, and, you know, helping develop those younger players in the room. And, you know, I think if he can stay healthy, like I said, this defense will scratch borderline elite. I think they'll be good. But if you get 10 games of Jalen Catalan, they'll scratch borderline elite. So I love how they're managing him. Um, he's another player like A.D. Mitchell, why you question why he was even in the transfer portal to begin with. But, you know, our win, everybody else's loss. And, you know, I think uh, a new scenery, you know, a new system, a new chance to prove himself uh, will really bode well for Jalen Catalan. You know, he was an all SEC safety and then people kind of forgot about him because of the injuries. Now, like I said, with the new chance, you know, a, a fresh locker room, a fresh mindset, a fresh teammate. I think we can see really good things from Jalen Catalan this year as long as he stays healthy. He will be a really good addition to this Texas football team, and he will make a first or second team all Big 12. He will get that achievement this year, I should say. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're getting into the rest of Steve Sarkeesian's comments at his latest press conference. And then in the last segment, we're talking about Texas being 12th in the coaches' poll. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at no charge at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Remember, terms and conditions do apply. So he was asked about Cedric Baxter and he kind of talked about Cedric Baxter in the context of John T. Cook and Anthony Hill, right? Three freshmen that have been asked uh, to take a lot on their plate since they've been at the University of Texas. Three freshmen that we now know will have a pretty significant role on this Texas football team this year. Cedric Baxter may be the biggest of the three, but all three of those players will play for the Texas football team this year and hopefully uh, be assets, you know, for the Texas football team. But he asked about uh, Cedric Baxter and he said he's came a long way. Right. And, you know, like he said in the press conference, none of those three players, really anybody on the team thus far has necessarily had the training wheels on. Right. It's been all gas, no breaks, trying to get those players up to speed. And I love 
Um, another question came about Jonte Cook later in the press conference, and he was asked about how do you balance getting him ready for this year, but also developing him for the future. And he said, we're focused on 2023. Right? We're focused on what we need to do to win a conference championship this year. So we're trying to get Jonte Cook ready for 2023. Anthony Hill and Cedric Baxter ready for 2023. We're not worried about their development in 2024. We got nine months after the season to do that. Loved that answer from Steve Sarkeesian. Then we talked about Cedric Baxter specifically. He said he's come a long way, pass protecting, running routes, running the ball well, has a real understanding of what we're trying to do uh, schematically. And then he said with Cedric Baxter, uh, Jonte Cook, and Anthony Hill, effort is never an issue, right? You know, those guys have come in um, and really carried themselves like professionals, carried themselves like veterans, and they want to learn and they want to win and they want to get on the field quickly and they're willing to do whatever it takes to do that, right? And he mentioned, you know, growing pains and mistakes with all three of them. But uh, I think the biggest thing he mentioned is they never make the same mistake twice. They're coachable and they're willing to learn. Right. And he said that can be tough at times for five star players coming out of high school. You know, you're the best player at your high school. Everything kind of revolves around you. And then, you know, you come into a system where they do everything differently. You have to acquiesce, you know, and everybody is not just adept at making that transition. Right. So really good to see those three players being able to do that. And, you know, I love to see, uh, you know, the progression you know, for Cedric Baxter, the fact that he's picking up the offense and, you know, he looks like he's ready or poised to step into uh, a running back two or a very heavy running back three role uh, this year for the Texas football team. And, you know, I think we're going to need Jonte Cook on the offensive side of the ball. When you talk about having four to five uh, wide receivers that, you know, can attack, you know, the defense at all times, we're certainly going to need Cedric Baxter if he's in a three-headed monster role with Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue. And, I think Anthony Hill can do so much for this defense, however they, you know, utilize him, whether it's uh, as a backup linebacker, as a pass rush specialist, as, you know, somebody that can come in and blitz the quarterback, whatever it is, right? We're going to need him. And so glad they're all picking, you know, up the offense and defense and showing themselves to be assets to this Texas football team four days into uh, fall camp. Another true freshman that he talked about was Derek Williams, and he compared him to Kelvin Banks. And, I noticed on the surface that sounds crazy, right? Like what do Derek Williams and Kelvin Banks have in common? But he talked about how last year all of those offensive linemen enrolled early, right? And we always talk about, oh, okay, when you enroll early, you have an advantage, right, over the freshmen that don't come uh, until June 1st or whatever, you know, it is. But Kelvin Banks doesn't enroll early last year, and he's a freshman All-American at the left tackle position. And he said the same thing about Derek Williams. Not sure how much he, he'll play, not saying he's going to be a freshman All-American, but what he said about Derek Williams was he's just a natural football player, like football makes sense to him. And even though he did not enroll early since June 1st, when he stepped on campus, he has looked like he belongs. Right. And he's grown, um, you know, physically and as a football player and looks like, you know, somebody who is going to step in and be able to help this Texas football team this year, probably mostly on special teams. But somebody I think they would be comfortable you know, putting at that safety position if they needed to. And, you know, throughout the course of the season, that's something we'll probably see uh, a few times, you know, especially with Jalen Catalan's kind of lengthy injury history. You know, that's something you're going to have to manage throughout the season as well. So we should expect to see Michael Tav, Keaton Crawford, and possibly even Derek Williams uh, at that safety position. But, you know, like Steve Sarkeesian said, uh, he's versatile. He can do a lot of things, and he's just a natural football player with a natural football IQ. Football just makes sense to him. He's going to be a really special player at the 40 acres. He talked about the running game coming along and how uh, the offensive line has to work in concert, you know, with the running backs. And um, he talked about how in this last practice on Monday, what he really saw was not only, you know, the running backs starting to uh, make holes, 
you know, for the running backs and starting to make holes more consistently, which allows the running game to be more consistent, right? Because when you take the ball as a running back, you're expecting, you know, certain gaps and certain lanes to be open, right? You're expecting your offensive line to get a push so that you can find the hole and move forward, right? We're starting to see that more and more in the practices per Steve Sarkeesian. And what he said is the biggest difference, which was in Monday's practice, the fourth one of fall camp, is that he saw not only the offensive line making the holes more consistently, but moving people more consistently, right? And when you can move people in the run game, open up those bigger holes and, you know, kind of throw the defense off of their alignment, that just gives, you know, the running back more space to run and obviously gives you more opportunities for big plays. So I think the biggest key for this offensive line is, you know, working in unison and being better as a unit this year, especially on the interior. But that also, you know, has to come in concert with the running backs and the offense. And if they can get on the same page, especially with everything you have on the outside, talk about having the answers to every question on the test, right? If you can run the ball effectively, plus throw the ball to five or six different weapons consistently on offense, you're talking about an elite offense, one of the best offenses in the country. So it's good to see, you know, the offensive line starting to move people, not just open up holes. And it's good to see the running backs running well behind them in concert with how the offensive line is moving. He talked about JT Sanders at the tight end position. He said he's one of the smartest players on our offense and the untapped potential he has. We already talked about him as a future NFL player um, and one of the most talented players uh, on this football team, you know, on this offense, we talk about him as one of the two or three best tight ends in the country. And Steve Sarkeesian talked about how he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he's capable of. And I agree, right? Because last year he was so inconsistently utilized. We saw in the first game we ever threw the ball to him. He had six catches for 85 yards and a touchdown, right? And then he had three games last year where he had 10 receiving yards or less. It was frustrating how little we use JT Sanders, especially when we didn't have a third wide receiver option to consistently go to, right? I think Casey Kane was third on the team from wide receivers with either eight or 10 catches last year. And that's ridiculous, right? So, you know, we may not throw the ball as much to JT Sanders this year because we have more weapons. We're still going to run the ball, you know, maybe not as much as we did last year, but a lot. And you're going to throw the ball a lot more to those talented wide receivers you brought in. But, you know, he talked about JT Sanders football IQ and his athleticism, being able to make bigger plays, plays down the field because he understands route concepts. He understands the scheme and he understands what they want to do to opposing defenses. So um, just what he brings to this team in terms of leadership, football IQ, uh, blocking, athleticism, being able to catch the ball um, in all areas of the field. He's just a really talented weapon, somebody that Steve Sarkeesian can do a lot with. And, you know, I really liked his answer about JT Sanders being able to do things this year that we haven't seen him do before, because even though he feels like a veteran on this team, we've only seen him play football for one season. So naturally you would expect him to be better in 2023. Steve Sarkeesian does as well. And the last thing I want to talk about is Sark talked about the spread offense and he was asked, you know, having two guys on the outside, what does that do for everybody else on the offense? And Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, it's not just about having those two guys. You know, I feel like we have five guys who can play on the field at once. And I know I don't know if he's talking about JT Sanders and four wide receivers or if he's just talking about the five wide receivers and Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nayor, and Jonte Cook saying all five of those guys could play for this team right now and be really good on the outside. But either way, if you have five wide receiver threats or receiving threats including a tight end on the field that can all make plays you can't double everybody you can't load the box and you can't stop the run like Steve Sarkeesian said so you would have the answer to every question that the defense presented right and that's the mentality you have to go into 2023 with right regardless of what defense we see 
regardless of what defenses try to take away, we'll be able to hit them over the head, you know, with something else. And we'll be able to score points and we'll have an elite offense that should be able to carry this team to a Big 12 championship. So I love uh, Steve Sarkeesian. I love his press conferences and I love what he's brought uh, to this Texas football team. And I can't wait to see it on the field starting on September 2nd. A quick word from our sponsors. And then we're talking about the USA Today coaches poll that has Texas coming in at number 12 in the preseason. So this isn't the preseason AP poll that drops on the 15th, I believe, but this is the USA Today coaches poll and it's the preseason and it's good to see where the coaches in college football who do a lot of the scouting and, you know, watching other teams and knowing what's going on, you know, at the ground level or the grassroots level, you know, um, can come together and, and pick what teams they think are the best 25 in college football right now. And as always, Texas was at number 12. So I stopped at number 12. I think, uh, Notre Dame was 13, maybe Oregon was 14, uh, and I think TCU and Kansas State were in the top 20, but it's a top 12 for me because Texas is at number 12. So we'll go through um, the top 12 right now, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Tennessee, Washington, and then Texas. And I think it's always tough, um, especially in a year like this, to you know kind of make these lists, especially for a team like Texas, right, because we all think that they're on the verge of success, but we haven't seen it yet, right? All of this is a projection, right? And you could go off of what you saw last year. They did improve from five and seven to eight and five, but I think there were still multiple games that they lost last year that they shouldn't have lost. And you're more so going off of they bring so many players back from last year, plus the players they added, you know, just assuming natural development, assuming Steve Sarkeesian, um, you know, has more hold on this program in year three. Everybody develops in year three. This is the time for Texas to make to take that next step. And so as somebody who's making these polls or this list, right, you have to see what everybody else sees. Right. You have to look at it and project that Texas will be a top 10 to 12 team this season, because we can't say that Texas was a top 10 to 12 team last year. And when I look at, you know, the coaches poll, I think they got it right. I think that's a perfect spot to put a team that should be really good this year but has not proved it on the field last year or for the better part of a decade right georgia obviously should be the number one back-to-back -back national championships obviously there's some concern about losing stetson bennett but they brought in some really good and really talented quarterbacks and hopefully with the way they run the ball brock bowers at the tight end position and obviously out of this world defense they should be able to still be the top team in the sec and compete for a national championship this year michigan at number two you bring back uh, Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum, and J.J. McCarthy. Offensive line, always one of the best in the country. This defense, you know, quietly, maybe not even quietly, has put a lot of players in the league, and they continue to stack up on that side of the ball. So we know the Big Ten will come down to uh, Michigan and Ohio State that game at the end of the season. But the way it's gone the last two years, Michigan has to be the favorite uh, to win that game and get back to the college football playoff. Alabama at number three, you know, they've lost a lot. Offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, Bryce Young, Will Anderson. But for the better part of 15 years, we've watched Nick Saban figure it out. And this year will be no different. Obviously, it'll be an interesting battle between Texas and Alabama in week two. You know, they'll have some interesting battles in the SEC. But, you know, I think the demise of Nick Saban is being written prematurely, right? Like I said, for 15 years, he's figured it out. 2023 will be no different, even if it's not the, you know, undefeated Alabama teams we're used to, right? Ohio State at number four. People have been down on Ryan Day the last few years because of the way that they've lost to, uh, you know, Michigan. But they were uh, a botched field goal. I mean, a horrible missed field goal away from beating Georgia and going to the national championship game this year. And Ohio State 
would have waxed TCU and won the national championship. So they've just had some bad luck. He's done a really good job at Ohio State. And, you know, replacing C.J. Stroud isn't easy, but I expect them to be really good this season as well. LSU and Brian Kelly's first year uh, really jumped on the scene. Jaden Daniels was really good. This was a 10-win team uh, that did win, you know, the SEC West, which is not easy to do going against Alabama. Um, and you bring back Jaden Daniels, uh, you know, you bring back, uh, you know, your two freshman offensive linemen that you started last year. Hill Perkins was one of the best defensive players in the country last year. I think people have him as a top five player coming into the season uh, in 2023. So LSU has a lot of talent um, on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. And I think if they can navigate through their schedule again this year, they have a tough game in week one against Florida State. They can win 10 games again and really put themselves back on the map as one of the best teams in the SEC. USC. You know, the defense still is a question mark, and that's always going to be a question mark under Lincoln Riley. But that offense and what they're able to do with Caleb Williams coming off a of Heisman season, USC should be the heavy favorites to win the Pac-12. Penn State, haven't looked into them a lot, but I've heard a lot of smoke. I think J.D. Pakel said they might go 11-1, and one, or Josh Pate. It was somebody with a really recognizable platform that said they might go 11-1. and one. So I'll look out for Penn State this year. You know, they do have them at seventh on this list, which is pretty high, but – a lot of people think they can make some noise in the Big Ten. Florida State, they brought back Jared Verse. They brought back Jordan Travis. That's a really good football team. They should be the favorites to win uh, the ACC this year. Clemson is the next team on the list uh, with Kay Klubnick and all of the talented players they have. That's going to be a dogfight. I think both of those teams end up top 10 and should be, you know, the teams that come down to playing for the ACC championship. Tennessee lost Hendon Hooker, uh, you know, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric, not Cedric Mullins, uh, I forgot his name, but they lost a lot of really good players, but they'll be really good with Joe Milton, that offense. And they brought in some really good offensive linemen and defensive players as well. Washington at number 11, you know, they brought back Michael Penix Jr., uh, Romeo Adunze, all of those players on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and they won, I think, 12 games last year, maybe not 12. It was like either 10 or 11. They were a really good football team and they beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl. I think they'll be really good. They'll compete in the Pac-12, but I don't think anybody has anything for USC. And then, of course, Texas at 12. So, you know, you can make the argument maybe Texas will be better than a Washington. Maybe Texas will be better than a Tennessee, maybe a Clemson. But nonetheless, like I said, Texas has to go out and prove it. You know, everything they are being given right now and the way they're being talked about is based on a projection and it's based on I think this will happen. But they haven't shown really anything over the last decade that validates that. So whether they're 12th on a list, 20th on a list, 25th on a list, it doesn't matter. What matters is Texas has to go out and start winning football games at the level they're capable of. And we're praying that 2023 is the year I think it will be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. Peace. See you tomorrow. You are locked on. Gosh. Third time in a row I did that. Hook them. Peace. See you tomorrow.